We're so delighted today to have the young family with us. Brother Dusty, Sister Katie, and Benjamin. He's in the preschool class right now. And uh, they live in Wichita, Kansas. They're from Louisiana, the great state of Louisiana. And uh, he serves on pastoral staff at First Pentecostal Church of Wichita. And he also serves as our Kansas District Youth President. And when we were talking about this weekend, I just felt that God would have us to invite him. And he told me, and he may say something about this, but... Did I mention technical difficulties? Um... He told me, he may mention something about this, but he felt like God gave him the surest word he's ever had for a church and for a message. And I'm confident that God is going to show up in great ways. We're having all of the older kids stay in here today. And I don't know whether he will preach to the kids or the teens, but I, he's going to pre- everybody's going to be able to get something out of this. So if you're normally, if you're one of the kids who are normally out in the uh, the same, the fellowship or the lobby on Sunday morning. I ask you to you put your attention on the man of God as he preaches the word of God. Would you welcome Reverend Dusty Young as he comes and opens the word of the Lord together? Amen. Amen. I like what I feel in the house this morning. Anybody like what you feel? Amen. It's been great uh, just in the little bit of time that I've gotten between last night and this morning to be able to greet some of you and meet some of you. Uh, My apologies to the group of men that played the game with me last night that I just destroyed you all and won just in such an overwhelming matter. I I will go easy on you next time. Thank you for teaching me how that game is played. They say that, uh, or they were saying last night that, what is the name of that game? Wahoo. Okay. I I think I told my wife it was Yahoo, so sorry, babe. Um, But they were saying last night that, you know, it it seems to be a game that that favors beginners. uh, And Brother Abel went right before me, and it was his first time playing. He won, too. So... Who knows? Maybe the Lord's hand was on me. If you'd like to stand for the reading of the word, we're going to go to Acts chapter 9. And uh, while you're turning there, I want to just say how much me and my family love not only this church, but we love your pastor and their family so very much. They mean a a lot to us. And uh, if you... If you are just beginning to come to this church, let me, let me confirm something for you, that this family, they are the real deal. They are the real deal. And so I just want to, I feel that kind of in the spirit right now to confirm that to somebody that you can trust the Blackburn family and you're in good hands. I give honor, of course, to my wife. And our crazy son, Benjamin, who I'm sure is rearranging the classroom back there. 
Acts chapter 9, and we're going to begin with verse 1. It says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, if he found any Christians, whether they were men or women, that he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? Now, I want to pause for just a second. And if, if there's anybody in here that has been struggling between understanding, is, are there three gods or are there only one God? Is, if there's anybody in the house, this is a fantastic oneness scripture right here. I want you to understand, this is not what I'm going to preach about, but this is free. Brother, I won't charge you for this. Uh, but you got to understand that, that Saul was a Jew of Jews. That's what he called himself. And so to him, Jesus had not, he was not convinced that Jesus was Messiah, that Jesus was God manifested in flesh, that the Son is the same as the Father. And so whenever Saul is knocked from his beast onto the ground and he cries out, Lord, who art thou? Do you know what he's saying there? In the Hebrew, he's saying, God of the Old Testament, who are you? And what does the scripture say? And the Lord and the God of the Old Testament said, I am Jesus. That's again, that's not my message today, but if there's anybody wrestling with that. Here you go. Uh, he said, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembled, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise and go into the city and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. Somebody say, he was blind. Somebody say, he was blind. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. It was fasting week. And there was a... This is where I really wanted to get to this morning. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Somebody say Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold... He prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. you got to understand Ananias is saying, God, like, kind of like what Pastor was saying uh, when he was teaching Sunday school, God is this voice really you? Are you really going to tell me 
that I have got to go and minister to somebody who honestly, by all accounts, he's been a terrorist among the church. And he's saying, you want me to go preach to Osama bin Laden? I, I think that I would kind of identify with Ananias and say, that, uh, that can't be God. If the Lord was, was to speak to me and say, somebody's going to hand you a $1,000 check, I'd say, that was the Lord all day long. But if somebody, if the Lord speaks and says, I want you to go seek out the terrorist of the Christians, and I want you to go lay hands on them. And notice that the Lord does not bring up Paul's terrorism. He doesn't bring up all of his background and all of that, but instead, the Lord says to Ananias, he's blind, but he's praying. Oh boy, the Spirit is going to speak something to this church this this morning. Look at verse 14. I'm almost done it. Ananias continues, he says, And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. He says, if I, if I actually obey this call, I might end up arrested. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way. For he, Saul, the terrorist, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. I have a pretty simple message this morning. But I know that the Spirit of God has spoken to me on behalf of this church. If you would open your heart and really receive and really take this in this morning, I want you to lift up your hands right now. And I just want you to pray this very simple prayer with me. God, I open myself to what you want to say to me this morning. Come on, church. I wish you would pray that prayer right now. God, I open myself to what you want to say to me this morning. Speak directly to me, Lord. Open my heart that I could receive this, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing so long. I don't normally normally take a text that's that long, but it was necessary. Nothing I could cut out. This is called the conversion of Saul. We don't typically know him or recognize him as Saul. What we recognize him as is the Apostle Paul. But this is his conversion. And from that day until this day, the church marvels at what the Lord was able to accomplish through the life and ministry of Paul. It was Paul who, being joined to Barnabas, was separated unto God for the working of the ministry. It was Paul who spoke over the sorcerer named Elimus as the Lord struck him with blindness. It was Paul who went down to Lystra, and he spoke to the lame man, and the lame man leapt out of his bed and onto his feet. It was Paul who rebuked the devil out of the soothsaying woman. It was Paul who was beaten and chastised 
and put in the inner prison with Silas, but let me tell you, it was also Paul who decided that no chains are going to stop me from singing and and crying out and giving God my praise. It was also Paul and Silas at the midnight hour that sang praises unto God. And the Lord sent an earthquake into that prison and shook everybody's bands loosed. That was Paul. This is an impressive resume. Can I get an amen? Amen. Y'all believe in amens around here? Let's try it out. Can you say amen? All right. I like amens. Do you want to know why it's important for you to say amen? It's not because it does anything for me. I'm going to preach the same whether you say amen or not. But to say amen in Scripture, amen means yes. Amen Amen means let it be so. And so whenever the preacher is saying something, whether it's me, your pastor, or any visiting minister, when he's preaching something to you, you saying amen is you literally agreeing with the word and saying, hey, what he's talking about, I want some of that. Let's try it again. Can you say amen? All right. Hey, we sounded better now. He preached in Athens. He prophesied in Thessalonica. He taught in Berea. He planted churches in Corinth, in Ephesus, in Philippi. He preached in Macedonia, in Greece, in Troas. It was Paul who preached so long, by the way, that a young boy by the name of Eutychus fell out of the upper story church window where he was listening to the, to the man of God preach. He got so, it, Paul preached so long. So it is biblical to preach long, by the way. Uh, Paul preached so long that this boy that was sitting in the window listening to him fell asleep, fell out the window, and died on the street below. Wow. But it was also Paul. Scripture doesn't say this, but in my head, I can just kind of see this play out. Paul doesn't even close his Bible whenever that boy falls out and dies. He just says, I'll be right back. Goes downstairs, goes outside, and says, hey, get up. And the boy popped back up. The Lord rose him back to life. He said, and and was church over? Nope. He said, come on back up here. He said, I'm not done preaching yet. (laughs) It was Paul who suffered shipwreck and didn't drown. It was Paul who was bitten by the viper, but he shook it off into the fire. It was Paul who was stoned from, and then the Bible literally says stoned to death. And he rose up, God resurrected him from the dead. He rose up, crawled out of the pile of stones that they had just cast at him. And then that stubborn boy went back to the same people who just stoned him and kept on preaching. This Where I come from in Louisiana, we say Paul was bad to the bone. Do they say that up in Kansas? I don't know. We would say he's bad to the bone, and then my uncle would say, and the bone is bad. (laughs) He was led away into the hands of the Romans. And history tells us that while he awaited his execution, that they would have to change out the guards that would watch over Paul's uh, jail cell because Paul, even being beaten, being stoned, being cast aside, being uh, whipped with rods, all the things that he suffered, they said that they would have to change out the guards that would watch over him because in his bloody mess, he would lean up against the bars 
and he would start talking to his captors, and he would start ministering to them, and they literally had to continue changing out the guards until they were able to execute Paul because everybody they sent his way heard about Jesus, and everybody that they set uh, to charge against him, they all ended up a believer in Christ. You could not stop this man. Can I get an amen? You could not understand this man. You could not dismiss this man. You could not distract this man. You could not explain his calling. You could not disprove his ministry. Paul was never intimidated. He was never offended. Paul was never contaminated. Paul was never yielding to his flesh. And the more he suffered, it seems as if he just waxed stronger and stronger in his commission and his calling. It was Paul who said in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, he said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He, was, he said this, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. He said, we are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are cast down, but we are not destroyed. It was, it was the pen of Paul who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. And, and the world still marvels over this man and his ministry. But I am sent here today with an assignment from heaven to declare to you that Paul would have never become this giant of the faith. Paul would have never written a sentence of the Bible. Paul would have never seen one miracle in his ministry. Paul would have never stood before one king. Paul would have never preached a single message. Paul would have never planted one church if it had not been for a man by the name of Ananias. And so this is the word that God would have me deliver to this church today. I call you Ananias. No wonder it was Paul who said in Romans chapter 10 and verse 14, he says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Could it be that Paul may have been reflecting on all that God had done in him and think within himself, where would I be if God never sent Ananias to come and find me? Can I preach to you this morning? Uh, I'm, I'm here to deliver this message. You don't want to know where you would be if God did not send an Ananias your way. That's a good place for an amen, church. I said you don't want to know what your life would look like if God did not send an Ananias to you. Someone who was sent to you. Someone who chose to ignore your reputation that you had created for yourself. Someone who chose to lay hands on you when everyone else walked away from you. Somebody who decided to believe in you whenever nobody else believed in you. Somebody who saw through your violence and they saw through the addictions on your life and knew no matter what you look like on the outside, you are a chosen vessel of the Lord. Don't you forget who believed in you whenever other people wrote you off. 
Don't forget the Ananias that dismissed what other people were saying about you. The Ananias who would not listen to your accusers. The Ananias who was not willing to be intimidated by what you looked like or what you sounded like. Don't forget the Ananias that saw purpose in what other people called was a waste. Don't forget who had your back whenever other people didn't understand that God was still working on you. Don't forget about the Ananias that God sent to your hospital room whenever your sickness did not make sense. Don't forget the Ananias that God sent to hold your hand while you were grieving at the side of a casket. The Ananias who joins you together perhaps in holy matrimony. The, the Ananias who, who encouraged you when you wanted to quit and who told you to gird yourself up like a man whenever you needed to be rebuked and needed to be corrected. The Ananias who preached to your children and who are willing to love them in the middle of their mistakes, love them in their disobedience. The Ananias who never stopped preaching in a pandemic because souls were too important. Thank God for Ananias. Can somebody shout amen? Thank God that he sent somebody my way to preach to me. Hallelujah. And today the Lord has sent me to prophesy to this church. And it is this. There are Saul's in your city. Did you hear this preacher this morning? There are Saul's on your workplace. There are Saul's young people and children in your schools. There are chosen vessels that are in this city that God has prepared for this house to take in. And he knows that he can trust this pastor and this family with this harvest. There are Saul's in your city. And the season of Ananias has begun in this church. You will be loosed and you will be sent to the Saul's of your city. You want to know why? Because the harvest is too great for you to bring it in by yourself. That's a good place for an amen right there. The master of the harvest has visited those in the field and he has heard their cries. He, he has lent his ears to the laborers that are few and they have gleaned and said, yet, Lord, there is more out here. There are more in the field that we are not able to bring in by ourselves. You're going to have to call more people. You're going to have to anoint more people. You're going to have to use more people because there are souls in my city. Hear me, church. He has heard you whenever you have prayed. He's heard your prayers. He, he's heard you whenever you have been wrestling with the vision that God has given to you. And you have said, Lord, this is too big for me. What I feel that you're calling me to is bigger than me. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm telling somebody in this house, it is bigger than you. And that's why you are necessary. That's why you're needed because it's bigger than you. I can hear the cry of this church. Pastor, you keep on dreaming big dreams. You keep on seeing big visions. You keep on believing because you're on the edge of seeing Saul's come into this house. Mm. Some people will only witness the end time outpouring of the Spirit. And it's, they will only witness it. They'll only watch it take place. And it's only because of the generation that they were born in. Have you ever stopped and thought about the fact that you could have been born in any generation? You could have been born in the 1800s. You could have been born in the 1600s. Thank God I wasn't because I need air conditioning. Do you realize that God could have chosen to, to place your birth in a different generation? But He didn't. He chose for you to be here now. That tells me that you are here on purpose. 
Like I said, there are some that are going to watch the end time revival take place only because of where they were born in their generation. But there are others that they're not just going to witness this revival, but you are going to be a participant in this revival. That you're going to be a cause for this revival, a vessel for this revival, because the spirit of Ananias says, this is bigger than me. And that spirit gets on Paul, who says this, woe unto me. If I preach not the gospel, for it is laid upon me of a necessity. He says, I I can't shake it. I can't shake the calling. And what, what would have ever happened? Paul would have never said those words if Ananias had not gone. That spirit of Ananias, he says, I'm not the head. I'm not the whole of the body of Christ. He says, but I'm, I'm a part of the body. And that spirit gets on Paul who says in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, for the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not the body, is it therefore not of the body? He says, basically, if you decide one day, if I can't be the pastor, I'm not going to participate, he said, you're not a part of the body. He says, you've got to understand that every single part of your body has a, a very important role in the kingdom. Can I get an amen? I I can't tell you that I walk around every day thanking God that I have a spleen. I can't tell you that every... And and by the way, I've met some people in the house of... Hallelujah. Lord, help me right now. I'm about to uh, say something. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go on. I've met some people, I think they're the appendix in the body of Christ. What that means is we'd like to have them, but we can do without them. (laughs) That was a joke, y'all. Y'all calm down, okay? That was a joke. I can't tell you that I've walked around thanking God for my, for my spleen, thanking God for my pinky toe. I don't think that has ever made its way into my prayer life. But if you're going to come up to me and say, would you like to live without your spleen? Would you like for me to take your pinky toe off? I would say, please don't. It doesn't matter how insignificant you feel as a part of the body. You are necessary and you're needed. Can I get an amen in the house? Because this is what Paul learned from Ananias. I don't need to be you in order for me to be used. I'm preaching a lot better than y'all are amen. Ananias said, I, I don't need to be you in order for God to use me. And you don't need to be me in order to be anointed of God. Can I get an amen? I'm going to let you have your purpose, and you let me have mine. And the glory doesn't belong to either of us. It belongs to the Lord. And if we're ever going to bring in the harvest that God has ordained, I need you, and you need me. That's a good place to clap your hands right there. The harvest really is bigger than what you're capable of bringing in. We need each other. And so hear me. Because I'm, I'm trying to hurry. There are souls that are in your city. There are souls that are in your workplace. There are souls that live in your neighborhood. There are souls that God has sent into your city. And hear me, they are bound. And they're waiting in a house on the street called Straight. 
They're waiting for someone to come to them and prophesy. They're waiting for someone to loose them. They're waiting on someone to come and lay hands on them. They're waiting on on somebody to ignore what society has said about them and what they would never become. They're blinded right now. I I think it's interesting that God did not just knock Paul off his horse, but instead he, he smote him with blindness. Because there are souls in your city right now that they're blinded. Can I get an amen? They're blinded in false doctrine. They're blinded in in a lie that they have been told is the truth. They're blinded in prejudice. They're blinded in hatred. They're they're, they're blinded in politics. They're blinded in division. But they are praying, God, send somebody my way. It's, It's a sobering thing when you realize that someone else's salvation might rely on you obeying God. Because there are people that you can reach that I will never be able to reach them. As Pastor mentioned earlier, a, uh, a large part of my ministry has been knocking on people's doors and inviting them to the house of God, inviting them to join me in home Bible study. I remember one particular family. Their name was Tanya and Joe Bravo. The Lord sent me to their house randomly. But I knew that there was a work to be done in this house. I, it's, I can't really explain why I felt that way. I just knew it. So I knocked on the door. And when they first opened the door, they lived, they lived in a very, very dangerous part of Wichita. One of the, one of the areas of Wichita that you, you, know, you, you don't want to be in that area after dark. They lived in the middle of it. And whenever they opened the door, I remember that as they opened the door, they had to knock a bunch of beer cans out of the way in order to open it up. And I introduced myself. I'm Pastor Young. And I said, I don't know how to tell you this, but the Lord has told me that He wants to do something mighty in your household. That's a little bold, I know. And they were like, uh, yeah, okay, right, sure, sure. Thank God they were agreeable. And next thing I know, I see Tanya's father is in a wheelchair over in the corner. I said, Lord, bingo. This is it right here. And I asked the family, I said, hey, I, I teach home Bible studies. I said, would you be interested in maybe me coming to your house and teaching you the word? And they said, oh, well, I don't know, Pastor. You know, I, 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 we got things to do. They were unemployed. We got things to do, you know, and places to be. And <clears throat> they, you know, I don't know. And this faith got in me. I just knew. I was so convinced that God was going to do something in them. That faith rose up in me. And I said, I tell you what, I'm going to pray for your dad. And if, he, if God heals him and he gets up out of the wheelchair and walks, then you have to agree to let me teach you a Bible study. 
Listen, it's not my reputation that's on the line. I'm not the one that's going to heal the guy. It's the Lord's reputation. So go ahead and put him out there. He might surprise you and perform a miracle. So I walked over to, and they said, yeah, sure. You know, he hadn't walked in 10 years. I said, okay. So I go over there, and I asked him, you know, hey, can I pray for you? He said, yeah. I, I said, do you want to walk? Because not everybody wants to. He said, yeah. So I lay hands on him. I prayed a very, very quick and simple prayer. I didn't speak in tongues and roll my R's, you know, and all that. I, I didn't do all that. I just prayed a real simple prayer, and I said, all right, I want you to try to get up out the wheelchair. And here he goes, y'all. He stands up on his feet and looked around. I was just as shocked as he was. He got up on his feet. His eyes were big. And he, I said, you feel like taking a step? He said, yes, I do. And he took one step. And he was a little shaky at first. But he took three or four steps. And before long, he's walking. And the, the family is, is sitting there going, who is this crazy white dude that walked up in my house and pulled my daddy out of a wheelchair? I said, hey, no, hold on. So I said, all right, so, so uh, Bible study's Thursday, right? And they said, uh, well, pastor. And I was like, really? I was thinking, y'all got any other wheelchair people in the house? I, I'm like, what more does God need to do? Well, all of a sudden, I hear from the back of the house this big thud. Boom! And I said, what was that? You know, it sounded like Godzilla. And, I, and then they, they said, well, Pastor, actually, that's the reason why we can't do Bible study. Boom! I hear it again. Coming from the back of the house. I said, what, what, is, what is it? I'm kind of scared. I'm like, y'all got a person held prisoner back there or something? They said, no, that's Chico. I said, what, what's, a, what's a Chico? They said, he's our pit bull. And they said, you know, Pastor, we live in a very dangerous part of the city. I said, yes. They said, well, we have trained him that anybody that is, a not, that is not a part of this family, he is to attack them. And I hear it again. Boom. Now I had to make a decision. Did God bring me there to not do a work? Or was God going to take care of me? And I'm not telling this story so that you can think I'm a bold person. By nature, I'm an introvert. I, I can't help that God called me to the ministry and I just have to overcome this every time. I took public speaking four times because I, in college because I dropped it three times because I was scared to speak. And he called me to the ministry. So, you know, God likes irony. But a boldness came over me again and I, and I realized the Lord is not wasting miracles. If God is going to raise this man out of a wheelchair... He's going to do something in this household. And so I said, Tanya, I said, I've got treats in my pocket. I, I, I carried, back then I, I used to knock doors all the time, and I would always carry a pocket full of dog treats because it saved me on more than one occasion. And I said, I've got treats. I carry them with me everywhere I go because I knock doors. I said, if you'll let Chico out, I said, then I think I can get him to warm up to me. And she laughed. <laughs> Pastor, No. She said, we've trained him not to warm up to you. 
She said, it's, it's not going to work. She said, he's going to maul you, and we're not going to be able to get him off of you. And I told her, I said, I am so convinced that God has wanted to do a work in your house. I said, I want you to go back there and open that door, let the dog out. I said, if I got to jump on the furniture, I'll do that, but just let me try. I said, but if Chico likes me, I get a Bible study with you. She said, okay, all right. Now listen, this is a cheap, this is a, this is a project housing. This is, the, the walls are paper thin in this house. And so I can hear everything going on in the household. And I keep hearing that, boom, boom. And Tanya goes back there to that back bedroom, opens the door, and slams the door real quick. And I can hear through the walls. And this is what she says. Okay, Chico. She talked to him just like a child. Okay, Chico. She says, this man out here, he claims to be a man of God. And she said, and I'm going to let you decide if he's the real deal or if he's a phony. Gulp, you know. And then she sticks her head out the door real quick and she says, okay, pastor, here he comes. And she was telling the truth. Here he comes. And this, y'all ever seen the movie Sandlot? That dog that's bigger than the backyard? This is the biggest pit I've ever seen in my life. His head was this big around, or it looked like it. He was charging, going down the, down the hall, and the hall's not very long. And I just stood there, and I got a treat in my hand, and I'm just, I'm a snack for Chico at this point. And he makes it right up to my feet, and he goes, I said, can I, can I give him a treat? They said, he won't take it. So I reached out the treat, and he goes, just as gentle as a lamb. I said, Bible study on Thursday? They said, we'll see you Thursday. <laughs> now, <laughs> now listen, <laughs> what, what, that, what that family ends up doing, though, I began teaching Bible study in their household. And for the first five weeks, this is how rough their neighborhood is. For the first five weeks, every week, the first five weeks of my Bible study, there has been a murder in their complex. Every week for the first five weeks. The last of the five weeks, their son found the dead body. I, I drive up on week six and there is a group of men standing outside of their, uh, of their building, and they have pistols, and they're blocking my way. And the Lord, I'm like, God, is Bible study canceled tonight? I didn't think he said yes. So I get out of my vehicle. I got my Bible study chart under my arm, and I just walked kind of in the middle of them. And I said, what's up? They said, what's up? And I just walked right on through. God began to do some amazing things in that family. They started, they started bringing more people. They started, they started uh, uh, inviting people to their house. Their house wasn't safe, but they, they were inviting people there. They, I, that Bible study grew to 28 people in the matter of just a few weeks. I ended up baptizing Almost every single one of them and every one of them received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Tanya and Joe Bravo 
won people to the Lord that Pastor Young could not win to the Lord. But here's the thing, folks. They were a Saul. They were covered up in wheelchairs and in pit bulls. But Ananias had to come to the realization of, if I don't go knock on that door, I don't think anybody else will. They may seem rough around the edges, but they are chosen vessels. If, if a sister could come to the music. I know, listen to me church, I know that they might look crazy. I, y'all are in Kansas City, so they really look crazy up here. They got all kind of colored hair, you know, that's bright pink and green and, and, and purple and, and all of that. And guess what? They're a chosen vessel. That's a good place for an amen right there. I'm telling you that God is calling you, Ananias, to some Saul's in your city. And, and don't be intimidated by the way they look. I know right now they're covered in neck tattoos and they got, you know, face tattoos and they got piercings all over their body and you don't know whether to shake their hand or change their oil. They got so much metal in them. But I'm telling you right now that they are a chosen vessel unto the Lord. I wonder how many revivals we have have not had because Ananias was too intimidated by Saul. I'm not calling you, Ananias, to preach to the Sanhedrin. I'm not calling you to preach to the religious elite. I'm not calling you to preach because of the times, camp meeting. I'm not calling you to stand before the kings and, and, and the royalty of all, of all of it. Ananias, honestly, you're going to have one convert. I'm not calling you to preach in Peter's pulpit. But Ananias, I'm calling you to preach to Saul. feel after the Lord real quick. Would you lift up your hands right now? I I feel the Spirit of God is moving. There's some people in the house that you have been wondering if the Lord actually wants to use you. But the problem is you know everything about you. I know I'm I'm talking to somebody right now. There's somebody in the house you have felt even while I have been preaching, the Spirit of God pulling on your heartstrings, pulling on you. I believe there are some folks in the house that God has brought some saws to your mind while I've been preaching. That you've been thinking about that, that guy on your job or that lady that you, you know, are neighbors with. You, but I believe that God has brought some saws to your mind. But the problem is, Like I said, you know everything about yourself. You know your past. You know your history. You know what you have been in. You know the the addictions that you've suffered through. You know the pains and you know the doubts that you have faced. And so Ananias, I'm begging you, the revivals that God has in store for the Saul's that He's calling you to are so important. You can't afford to allow yourself to be intimidated by who they are or intimidated by who 
you have been. Could we stand to our feet? Mm. Mm. Jesus. The Lord says, I'm, I'm giving a call to this church today. I'm sending you to Saul. He says, I, I've already been giving Saul dreams and visions about your coming. And when you find these Sauls, don't let their blindness intimidate you because you were blind whenever Ananias found you. Don't let their demeanors discourage you. Don't let their hardened exteriors stop you. They are chosen vessels for this city. I've called you to them, and I've called them to you. Hear me this morning. The Lord is going to touch you until your burden is greater than your fear. Lord, I've got to get to where my calling is greater than my insecurities. Where my desire for revival outweighs my desire for safety. Where my need for souls outweighs my need for acceptance. Where my heart longs for the gospel to be preached more than for my name to be known. I wonder, would you pray this with me right now? Work on me, Jesus. Work on me, Jesus. Work on me until I see not as men see, but I see like you see. Work on me until I no longer decide just by looking who is going to make it and who isn't. Who's going to believe and who isn't going to believe. Work on me until my criticism is washed away by your compassion. Work on me until my heart beats for every man, no matter the color of their skin. And I can see you pour out your spirit upon all flesh. Somebody say this to the Lord. Send me to Saul. And I will preach. Send me to Saul. Send me to Saul. Church, we know what Paul said. Scripture's full of what Paul said. We memorize his words. We quote his words. But I've got one question for you. What did Ananias say? We've got books that I can tell you what Paul said, but what did Ananias say? I'll tell you what he said in Acts 9 and 10. It's a simple reply. But when the Lord called Ananias like he's doing to you today, Ananias said this, Lord, I am here. He doesn't say, Lord, I'm qualified. He doesn't say, Lord, I'm spiritual. Lord, I'm gifted. He doesn't say that. He says, Lord, I'm, I'm here. If you would, could we have every head bowed in the house and every eye closed? I don't want you looking around. I want you to focus on just you and the Lord right now. If you're here today and you're ready to be honest, you're here and you have felt the pull of the Spirit on your heart. I wonder, with nobody looking around, I wonder, would you raise your hand if that's you? You have felt the Spirit of God pulling on your heart today. Hallelujah. Is there anybody in the house that they feel as if God has called them to reach someone, to reach a Saul? But anybody willing to stretch your hand up and say, I've been intimidated. I know God has called me to do something, but I've, 
I've let fear stop me. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. And by the way, there are, the Lord has recently been speaking to me saying this, that not only are there Ananiases in the room, but there are Sauls in the room right now. Is there anybody in here that's willing to reach your hand up and say, I just don't know God, but I want to. I want to obey Him. I just don't know what to do. Thank you, Lord. All right, church, I, what I want this morning is, I don't know how you typically do your altar services, but I wonder, could we just turn the place that we're currently in into an altar? Would you lift up your hands from where you are? Would you lift up your hands from where you are and just begin to say, Lord, send me to Saul. I'll go. you got to understand, church, I'm not after your emotions this morning. If you want to weep, that is perfectly fine. But I'm not chasing after your tears. I'm chasing after your response. I'm chasing after something that God sent me into this house to say. And that is, I'm calling you to the souls of your city. Hey, <laughs>